We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. The book of Acts, chapter 15, and we are continuing in our study in the book of Acts. We have went verse by verse from Acts chapter 1. I believe tonight may be our fourth or fifth lesson in the book of Acts. And uh, earlier uh, this year, I, I knew that there were two books that I wanted to get through this year in teaching, and that was the book of Hebrews and the book of Acts. I may do more before the end of the year, but those are two books that I knew I wanted to get through. There were things that I was seeing in both those books that I wanted to express to the people of God. And so I started them almost simultaneously. Hebrews, of course, is just a few chapters, so we're done with Hebrews. Um, but the book of Acts is more than a few chapters, and it takes a long time to get through some of these scriptures. But I believe going piece by piece and bit by bit brings out so much of the scripture to us that would otherwise just kind of be skimmed over and, and not really taught about and spoke about, which I believe brings us into the full picture of what the early church looked like and what was happening in the early church. This is the birth of the church, and this is the first uh, probably 40 years of the church, the first 40 years of the church being in existence, the 40 to 50 years after the death of Jesus Christ and his ascension, uh, what that looked like, what, what they did, how they conducted themselves. Because I believe that if we're, we are going to be who we say we are, we have to be who they were. Amen. Let me say that again. If we're going to be who we say we are, we have to look and see who they were. Amen. Book of Acts chapter 15. If you have it, just say, I got it. I'm only going to read a couple of scriptures here and I'll let you be seated. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and elders about this question. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. I ask you that you would use it for us. You would speak to us through your word. You would help us to see what you're doing in the scripture. And you would lead us and guide us through this. You would mature us and you would grow us. And I ask you now to help us not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also will be so careful to give you praise, glory, and honor. And the church said, amen. 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 And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Um, if uh, this is your first time at Bible study, or if you're in the youth group tonight and um, you haven't been to one of these kind of teachings that I, that I do, um, I'll, I'll tell you that tonight will be a little bit mon mundane, but I promise you if you stick with me, God's going to show us some stuff in the scripture. Amen. I promise if you hang out with me for a little while, God's going God's to speak to us through the word. He always does. In the book of Acts chapter 15, uh, we have just in the last, and, and when I say in the last couple scriptures, what you have to understand in the last couple chapters is really in the last couple years, in the last few years of the church. And uh, I, I went over this last, last week, but I'll kind of touch on it again, is that the book of Acts, if you read it straight through, it seems like all of this is happening right after the death of Jesus and his ascension and the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. It feels like this is all just kind of happening, one thing after the other, a week, a day, a month. And really what you have to understand is, is that what's actually happening here is there are many years separating these events, many, many years actually separating these events. And these events are not happening back to back and simultaneously, but a lot of these events are happening in one year, and then Luke is writing about what happens in the next year. And when we get to Acts 15, we're actually 25, 20 to 25 years after the death of Jesus. This is a long period of time that this has come about. Saul has now become Paul. We're calling him Paul now. Uh, the, the people are calling him Paul. The Bible tells us that a couple chapters before Acts 15, that he has now changed from the person they know as Saul and he's become Paul, and he's a, he's a fellow teacher of the gospel, and he's been 
in the, in the majority, he's been accepted into the fold. He's been accepted into uh, the class of apostles and leaders and teachers and disciples. Because if you know Saul, you know that before Saul was persecuting the church, arresting many of them, going into houses where they were praying and seeking God and taking them to jail, men, women, and children. And he was consenting in the death of Stephen, which was the first martyr in the New Testament church. He was consenting unto his death. And so when Paul, Saul, gets this revelation, the church is struggling with him, and but they through a man by the name of Barnabas, who we'll talk about here in the scripture, he, Barnabas was an encourager. He encouraged the disciples to receive Paul. And so Paul has begun now to be more of a, uh, of a stapled name. And Luke, who's writing the book of Acts as a reporter, Luke is not part of the apostles and Luke is not part of the disciples. Luke is writing from a witness standpoint. I saw this happen. I heard this happen. And we write to you. We write these scriptures to you. We write these stories to you by my eyewitness and the eyewitness of others. And so he's giving historical facts about what's happening in this time. The whole story of Acts kind of changes from this apostle-driven um, religion, this apostle-driven teaching. Now it's become Paul. The story really starts shifting and really focuses on Paul. We'll hear about Peter. We'll hear about John here and there. But mostly Paul, now Barnabas, and now Silas, and we're about to meet a young man by the name of Timotheus. We'll know him as Timothy. But all these people are being introduced now to the church. We just know of Peter, James, John. We know, we know of these, these disciples, but now the apostleship is growing. The leaders are growing, and the church is moving and expanding. And right before this has happened, Paul has preached in a synagogue, and the Gentiles that were there, they said, we want you to preach this same message again next week. The whole city came out. Many of them believed. Many of them were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And now the church in Judea and Jerusalem, they're getting these reports. God is doing a great work all over the world. This is happening everywhere. Every door is being opened. And the gospel is preached to every creature, which is a... Is a, is a resounding reminder of Jesus and his great commission. This is what Jesus wanted them to, to do. Go into all the earth, teach every creature. He didn't give a specific creature, every creature, everybody, every breathing person needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're seeing that happen and being seeing that played out. And now we're going to get into a little bit of dissension in the church. And there's a little bit of um, different difference of opinions and difference of thoughts and the Bible tells us in Acts 15 is where this begins that there were certain men who came down from Judea we don't know who they were the Bible doesn't tell us that we don't know if it was Peter James John or it could have been other leaders who were obviously Jewish and who were obviously coming from Judea they came down and they taught the brethren that listen if you don't get circumcised you cannot be saved Paul and Barnabas they they couldn't believe this and they had no small dissension, no small dispute, meaning this was a big argument. Paul and Barnabas had a big blow up about this. And so they determined, look, Paul and Barnabas, you need to go back to Jerusalem and you need to sit down with the apostles and the elders about this question. Verse 3. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phineas and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. So everywhere Paul is going, he's telling them the Gentiles have been converted. There's a great revival amongst the Gentiles, and there's great joy. People are excited about this. This is, this is happening. What Jesus said was going to happen is happening. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and the apostles and the elders and declared all things that God had done with them. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. So these are Pharisees that have believed on Jesus been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, they, th this is a group of the Pharisees that have taken on this new belief system, obeyed the gospel, but are still in that Pharisaical lifestyle and mindset. There were certain Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. They said, no, 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 we, we, listen, we're excited about the Gentiles. We're excited about them coming into the fold. 
We're glad they got the Holy Ghost. We're, we, you know, we're glad they got saved. But, but these men need to be circumcised. They need to do exactly what Moses said. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of gospel of the gospel and believe. Now, what Peter's talking about now is Cornelius. He said, y'all remember when I went to a Gentile people in Cornelius' home, and they believed and were saved. You, you remember that. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. It fell on Cornelius and his family just like it did for us. That was back in Acts chapter 10, if you're interested. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. And you know what, 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 what Peter is saying here is God didn't make them do a bunch of stuff to get the Holy Ghost. They, they didn't have to go do a bunch of things to be received into the kingdom. God gave them the Holy Ghost. God, we baptized them. Their hearts are purified by faith. And they didn't have to get circumcised. I, I know because we were there and many of you were there with me. He said, God put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. Verse 10. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? My, my, my. Peter stands up and says, hey, guys, I know we're arguing about this. I know this is a big deal, but. Y'all remember when this happened to us and, and they received the Holy Ghost. They didn't have to do anything to get that. They didn't have to jump through all these hoops to get that Holy Ghost. God gave, it to, God gave them the Holy Ghost just like us. No different than what we got. They got it just like we got it. They spoke in tongues just like we spoke in tongues. We baptized them just like us. And so why are we going to tempt God and then put a yoke upon the necks of these new disciples? And it's a yoke that even we struggled with. Even we weren't able to walk that walk. Even we weren't able to walk that line. Watch verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this I will return and I will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called saith the Lord who doeth all these things. So James stands up and James goes back to the Torah and he starts quoting prophecy from Old Testament and said, gee, God told us that this was going to happen. God already told us that the Gentiles were going to be received in when he prophesied that through our patriarch, David. Amen. And 18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. He says, wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them. This is what I... James is saying this, this is what I say, this is my sentence, this is what I feel about it. That we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles have turned to God or turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preached him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren, and they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders, brethren, send greeting unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, for as much as we have heard that certain went out from us, having troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we give no such commandment. So they're writing a letter to the Gentiles now, and they're saying, hey, concerning these men that came to you and they troubled you with words, telling you you had to be circumcised to be saved, just know that we did not give them that authority. They went on their own accord. We gave them no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, 
to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That sound familiar? Elder, Elder, Elder Brother Downs preached a little bit about that on Sunday. Then he do a great job. I'll just put a little plug in right there for him. So he said, we're going to send these men with Barnabas and Paul, these men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by my mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare ye well. So the church had a big dispute on what we should be telling the Gentiles that they should do, how they should be living their lives. A big dispute. And the big dispute was they had to be circumcised to be saved. The apostles, they all met. They had a big meeting about it. There was differences of opinion. There was arguments. At the end of it all, they said, listen, Peter, who was considered the, the, the leader of the church at that time, stood up and said, listen, I don't think that we should tempt God and try to put yokes on these people that even we couldn't live up to. So, so why don't we just figure out what we really should be telling them and let's send, let's send a group of men to them that will teach them the things that they need to know. And here's what they need to know. They need to know that they need to abstain from the meats offered to idols because these are Gentiles and in their world, people offered meat to idols all the time. And so they said, we don't want them to be eating meat that's been offered to idols and from blood, meaning eating things that were raw or things that were full of blood. And he said, and from things strangled, these are all things you can find back in the Levitical, uh, all, all in the Levitical code that God had given to the, the Jews that they, that they should do. Now, you have to understand too that when God is giving the children of Israel all these laws or these rules to live by, these things are not in the Ten Commandments. These, these things that he's saying are not in the Ten Commandments. They are rules to live by because it ain't 2022 and you don't need to be eating stuff that's raw because people ain't preparing stuff that like they should be preparing stuff. And so God's giving them and the, and the disciples and the apostles are giving them, look, let's just tell them to do these things. Abstain from food offered to idols. Be careful. Don't be eating no blood. Don't eat things that have been strangled. And from fornication. Stay away from these things. And from these things, keep yourself. And if you shall do these things, then you'll do well. Now, as we go on further into the New Testament, Paul's going to write many letters to these churches. And he's going to have a whole list of stuff that they should be doing, shouldn't be doing, rules they should live by, how they should act, how they should love one another, how they should reconcile. He's got a whole long list of things. But you got to realize this is the beginning of the church. This is day one. And they're like, look, let's, let's give them a list that makes sense. Let's don't be eating things that people have offered to some ungodly idol. Stay away from things full of blood. Stay away from things that have been strangled and don't fornicate. Sound good? That sound like something they can live up to right now? Sounds good. It still sounds good today. Amen? He said, from which keep yourselves, you do well, fare you well. Verse 30. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle. They gathered by together, and they delivered the epistle, this letter. That's what an epistle means. It's like a letter. It's a, this is a statement to the church. So they deliver this statement to the church. And, and when they delivered this, which when they had read, verse 31, they rejoiced for the consolation. They rejoiced. The people that heard these rules rejoiced. They said, oh, yeah, we, we, we got this. Yeah, we, that, that's good. Thank you for giving us direction. They rejoiced. They rejoiced to receive a letter admonishing them from the things that they should stay away from. Amen. 
Verse 32, and Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. So when they got through delivering these words to the people, they all went back. But Silas said, I'm going to stay. So Silas stayed. He doesn't know that his decision to stay is going to change his life forever. We'll get to that in a second. But also, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. You got to think now, this is years. Years are passing between these times. Years. So he's like, let's go back to every place we've been to. Let's just check, on, check up on everybody. So they start, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. Now, I don't know what was happening between Paul and this dude named John whose surname was Mark, but there was contention against them. And so they just, Barnabas said, look, I'll take him. I'll, I'll take him somewhere else. You go on to Cyprus. Then Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cecilia, uh, Cilicia, confirming the churches. Chapter 16. And when he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystria and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, if you if you don't see all this, it's, it's kind of this is kind of crazy to me. And when I read this this week, I was like, why, why do we just have a whole argument about circumcision. Then you get this guy named Timothy who comes and joins your 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 group and the first thing you make him do is be circumcised. We just talked about this. But he gets Timotheus and he's like, hey man, first thing you need to do is you need to be circumcised because the Jews are here. That's crazy to me until you read later on in the New Testament where Paul says, listen, if I know eating meat offends my brother when I'm with my brother I don't eat meat but when you see the way Paul thinks you understand that Paul's like look there's some Jews here they ain't really got this figured out yet and 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 what I need from you Timothy is to understand that if you don't if you don't step into this role which you don't you don't need to it ain't got nothing to do about being saved it's got something to do with offending the brethren because his mother was a Jew, but his dad was a Greek, and everybody knew that his mom was a Jew and his dad was a Greek. What does that make him? That makes him a Gentile. It makes him a Samaritan. Have Jew, have not. Well, no, it doesn't even make him a Samaritan. It makes him a full-on Gentile because his dad would have had to have been a Jew and his mom would have had to have been a Greek for him to be a Samaritan. But his mom is a Jew, his dad's a Greek, he's a full-on Gentile, and he knows that the Jews that are here in this area, they think Gentiles should be circumcised so, Timothy, if you're going to have any effect in the ministry, I need you to get circumcised. And Timothy did it. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, and like, like as, a, as, a, as a leader in the church and as like understanding this whole concept right here, it's like, wow. Paul asked this man to do something very painful. As a grown man, very painful that he knew he did not need to do to be saved, but he needed to do to have effect in the, in the kingdom. Timothy, you don't need to do this to be saved, but you need to do this to have effect in the kingdom. And Timothy said, okay. Okay, I'll do it. That is way past anything that me and you would understand today. Because in today. In today's mindset, we just say, you know what? If they don't receive me, they don't receive me, forget them. Because we don't live under the concept of 
if eating meat offends my brother when I'm with my brother, I don't eat meat. If, if, if I do this thing, which is just me, just me, just my personality, just who I am, but when I do that in front of my brother, it hurts my brother, and I knew it, ru it ruins my effectiveness in ministry, when I do that in front of them, you know what? I don't do that in front of them. I take my wants, my wishes, my will, and I make it take a back seat so that my ministry can be received. Now, I know that this is an extreme version of this, an extreme version of this, but when you think about it in, those, in that context, it, it, it raises the question for us and it brings into a better light when Paul says, Timothy, when I think of the faith that is in you. That's faith. That's, that's obedience. That's obedience to a great effect that says, hey, listen, I know that I don't need this to be saved, but I also need to understand that by doing this, I can be effective. And so I will do it so I can be effective. I'll do it so I don't cause trouble. I'll do it so I don't cause dissension. I will swallow my pride to make sure my brother's not offended. Amen. I, I, I feel like somebody might run the aisles right there. I was wrong. It's okay. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, as they went through the cities, they delivered to them decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in faith and increased in numbers daily. Now, when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, the Holy Ghost stopped them from preaching the word in Asia. After they will come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bethany, but the Spirit suffered them not. Now, I'm totally destroying these names right now, but just go with me. Just pretend I'm saying them right. Y'all don't know how to say them neither. Y'all don't know how to say them neither. And they were come to Messiah. They essayed to go into Bethany, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Messiah came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So they're going to all these churches. They're entering in all these places. And they're entering into places where they have not set up churches yet. And the Holy Ghost is saying, No, don't preach here yet. And they go into this city, and the Holy Ghost says, No, they're not ready yet. See, this is being, being attentive to the Holy Ghost. And being paying attention to what the Spirit is saying can keep us out of a lot of trouble. And the Spirit was telling Paul, Paul, they're not ready for this yet. And they're not over here, they're not ready for that yet. So just keep on moving. And so as they're in Troas, Paul has a vision. And in the vision, there's a man from Macedonia. And he says, come over and help us. After he's seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Like he's, he's antsy. He's done been in the three cities that God said no. And now he has a vision from Macedonia and they're saying, come help. He's like, look, let's go right now. I got to preach in my spirit. And the last place we've been, God said, no, I got to go preach. So they go immediately and endeavor to go to Macedonia. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, again, and the next day to Nepalis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. And a certain woman named Lydia a seller of purple of the city of Thyatria, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Somebody said, where there is a vision, there is provision. Say it again. Where there is a vision, there's provision. 
God sent Paul a vision. Paul gets there, and the first thing he runs into is provision. There's someone there saying, hey, come over. I'm going to help you. I received the word. When the Bible says when the word touched her heart, she said, you know what? I'm going to help y'all. She was an established lady. She was an entrepreneur. She had her own business, and she was able to take care of Paul and Silas. She was able to give them comfort, give them a roof over their head, give them food to eat. Because you got to imagine these men are just traveling like Lord lead us. We don't know where we're going. They, they didn't call the courtyard Marriott and set up three nights. They, they didn't have no Marriott points. Holiday Inn Express wasn't open. They was just going. Lord, whatever you're going to do, do it. And they get there and they meet this lady who the Lord touches. She's an entrepreneur and she has provision. Can I, can I say this? And, and tonight, I was thinking about this today as I was kind of going over what I would say tonight. I was like, this is perfect that the young people would be in this room tonight that I've taught this book of Acts and that on youth takeover night, the youth would be in this room on Acts 16. Because I'll need to tell every young person in this room that ministry doesn't always equal a microphone. Listen to me. I need to tell you tonight that God will use you in any aspect that you are able to be used in that everybody's not going to be a preacher. Everybody's not going to be a singer of songs. Everybody's not going to be a musician. And those are the places that we look up and we say, oh, that's doing something for God. But you can be an entrepreneur and do something for God. You can be an engineer and do something for God. You can have your own business and do something for God. This lady was an entrepreneur, and God used her to fulfill the call of God and fulfill the, the provision for the vision that God had given and I need you to know tonight that going to college, getting an education, getting a job, starting a business, that's just as much a part of God's plan for your life as anything else. Amen? So, if you want to do something for God, you start praying, you start asking God, God, where should I go? What should I do? Should I go to Bible college? Should I do this? Should I do that? You start really praying and asking God all these things. But you don't pray if you feel like you're going to start a business. And say, God, lead me to the right business. Open the right bank account. Lord, help me find the right people. God, put me in the right place with the right mentors. Because you don't feel like that's part of your calling. But it is a part of your calling. But what, what the church has messed up doing is, 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 is pretending and, and, and unbiblically proclaiming that your calling is always preaching. God could call you to be a firefighter just as quickly as he can call you to be a prophet, a preacher, or a teacher. God could call you to be a police officer. God could call you to start a business. God could call you to mow grass. Amen? And what we don't see it like that, we think, oh, if you're not doing something up front, if you don't have a badge, if you don't have an office, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not a minister, you're not really doing something for God. But I'll tell you, the people that do the most for God sitting in this room right now don't even realize they're doing the most for God because God gave me a vision, but I can't do it without Lydia's. Ain't nobody want to talk back to the preacher on a Wednesday night. I can't do it. The church cannot move forward if there is no provision for the vision. Amen. And God puts them in the place. This lady constrains them, helps them. And the Bible says this. She was baptized. Her whole household was baptized. Watch verse 16. And it came to pass as they went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us crying, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. The devil knew who they were before the people knew who they were. That's crazy to me. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned aside and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out of her the same hour. Now, this may look like just a quick moment of Paul, who knows he's in Macedonia for revival. He, that's what he knows. He knows God called him here for revival. 
and all he's done so far is go to a prayer meeting and he's had this this, this young girl following him around and basically bugging him to the point where he finally turned around and cast the devil out of her. But the Bible calls her a damsel. You don't see that word many times in the Bible. But I'll tell you one time you see it that that word damsel is connected to an age. The Bible said that the damsel lay at the point of death and the Bible says she was 12 years old. Okay? So that, that tells me this. That a 12 year old possibly a young teenager is about to become free from the spirit that vexes her and when this teenager gets free everything changes in Macedonia yeah. let me say it again when this young teenage girl gets free everything shifts the prayer meeting, Lydia, all good. We need it. But when this young teenage girl is delivered, something happens in the spirit realm. Yeah. If you want to show me a church on fire, I'll show you a youth group on fire. Amen. If you show me a church that's, that's, that's knocking down the doors, I'll show you a youth group that's knocking down the doors. Why? Because there is something connected to young people that are free. Young people that have the spirit of God in them. Young people that say, hey, I'm not letting what this world is doing bother me. Paul turned around, spoke to the spirit, didn't speak to her, spoke to the spirits that come out of her, and he came out. Watch verse 19. Follow me here. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Now, if you're... If you're not watching closely, you'll miss this. They've been on an obscure side of the city of Macedonia in a prayer meeting that hardly nobody knows about. But when this damsel gets free, the next thing they know, they're in the middle of the city meeting the most important men of the city. And Paul's like, we're here for revival. Can I say this to you? Revival doesn't always look like we think it looks. My, my, my. Sometimes when things are going wrong and it feels like we're under pressure and everything's coming at us from every direction, we think that's that can't be God. But it could be God getting you in the right place because he knows what's about to happen. Paul and Silas can't see that this is that this is revival. Paul's like, man, we're getting, we're about to be beaten. This is the worst thing that could happen. But what they can't see is on the backside of things, God's working in the back room, making moves. They don't even realize we've been at an obscure prayer meeting and now we're facing the greatest men in the city. We went from a prayer meeting to the center of the city all because one teenager got free. Oh, hallelujah. One teenager gets free. The Bible says they took them, they brought them to the they, they brought them to the magistrates, and verse 23 says, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight. Acts 16, verse 25, one of the most preached scriptures in the Bible. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Oh, they needed to pray. They prayed. But they, not only did they pray, but they sang praises unto God. And I, I guarantee you it wasn't, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. I guarantee you they weren't down there singing that. They were probably singing, God, you're good. Your goodness is running after 
is running after me. All my life you have been faithful. And the Bible says that the other prisoners in the other cells could hear them, could hear them singing. And something happened at midnight. They sang praises and the prisoners heard them 26 and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open drew his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had fled but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do not do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his house straightway. And he brought them to the house. He set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Somebody say revival. Here's the one. This is, this is something that if you miss it in Acts 16. In Acts 16, Paul had a vision. In the vision, there was a man who said, come to Macedonia. But the whole story is about women. You see it? In Paul's vision, there was a, the Bible is specific when it says there was a man from Macedonia who said, come help us. And the whole story is about women praying by the river. Lydia, seller of purple the young damsel who was set free from her spirit of divination. It's all about women until the jailer. Yeah, See, we had to go through all that to get to the revival that God was talking about. We had to endure all of that to get to the right person in the right place that God put me in front of the man who, when he saw what happened, he said, what must I do to be saved? That the revival that happened in Macedonia started with this man and his house, this man who never heard of Paul, this man who never seen Paul, this man who said, what must I do to be saved? And before the sun came up in the morning, him and his whole household had been baptized. Hmm. And when he brought him into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Verse 35, and when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, ye have beaten us openly uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily. But let them come themselves and fetch us out. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you don't understand. I'm a Roman. You thought I was a Jew. But I'm actually a Jew but a Roman citizen. And you beat me without convicting me. You had no proof. You just beat me and you threw me in prison with no just cause. I'll tell you what. If they want me... Tell them to come get me. And the sergeants told these words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. Oops. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. My, my, my. I'm just going to read the first few verses of Acts. 17 and we're going to be done for tonight now when they had passed through Amphipolis Amphipolis Apollonia they came to Thessalonica there was a synagogue of the Jews and Paul as his manner was went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures this is what, this is what Paul would do 
Paul find a synagogue open for church, he just walk in. That'd be like me just driving down the road, finding the church, that's cars in the parking lot, just walking in the back door. Y'all heard about Jesus. Y'all heard about the Holy Ghost. Anybody here been baptized in Jesus' name? I'd probably get drug out. But Paul did it three Sabbath days in a row. This guy was crazy. It was crucial. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ. And some of them believe and consorted and Paul and Silas and the devout Greeks, a great multitude and the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren and the rulers of the city crying, these have turned the world upside down and are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of others, they let them go. And the brethrenly immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. He went right back. You've been getting in trouble for doing this, bro. He said, I don't care. I'm going right back. He went, when he came to Berea, he went straight to the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. Many of them believed. Also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few. They go into one synagogue and a few believe. But they go, in, they go to the next city and go into another synagogue. But watch what it says. They receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. Can I tell you that there is a difference between hearing the word and receiving the word with a readiness of mind? Come expecting. Have your mind and your heart ready. This isn't a lecture tonight. I'm not trying to lecture you. I'm trying to teach you from the word of God, from the early church, that we stand on the shoulders of these men who hazarded themselves for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are here today as a remnant of this church, of men who had no problem speaking the word of God in every situation that there was. And there was a difference between people who heard it and tried to negate it and people who heard it with a readiness of mind, a readiness of heart, and they searched the scriptures to see if what they said were true. And because they had a good spirit and because they read for themselves, many of them believed. The difference between one church and the next church, the difference between one crowd and the next crowd, one group and the other group, is that they received it, and they studied it. That's why I say, listen, don't take my word for it. Hear it, go home, open that Bible, and read it for yourself. Because if you will receive it with a readiness of heart and open that word for yourself, it'll make a believer out of you. It'll make a believer out of you. This is what we have to do as saints of God. Receive the word with readiness of mind and with a hungry heart to search the scriptures and to see the word of God. I'm closing tonight. You can stand with me. <clears throat> I want to encourage you before uh, we leave tonight, I just want to encourage you that revival doesn't always look like we think it should look. It's not always a, um, a linear thing. It's, it's not always, if things are good, we're having revival. Sometimes it's, we can't see what God's doing on the backside. Sometimes there's growing pains. Sometimes God is working in the dark. We can't see it. And sometimes God is getting us off of one track and putting us on the right track. And sometimes that doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always feel good when God's moving us off of one thing and putting us on another thing. God, I wanted this. I was, I was on this track. I wanted this to be great. I wanted everybody in this city to receive.
set you up. I put you in the right place because you came for this revival and I put you in contact with the right man, the right family at the right time, at the right place. And the revival that I had called you to didn't go like other places went. Revival doesn't always look the same. God's call in your life doesn't always look the same. Some you hear some testimonies. I've heard I've heard testimonies before. Man, I just did this. I did that. Everything was great. This doors open. This happened. It was just man. It just seemed like everything just flowed. But I don't really have that story. Like man, things were hard sometimes, and, and, and things got sideways, and and right in the middle of everything seeming to be too far gone. God made a way out of no way. I didn't even realize what God was doing. I didn't even know. I encourage somebody today. I encourage you today. Don't always expect it to be exactly like you think it should be. But know that the Lord is moving. He's working. He is not confused. He, he doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He has a plan already out. And it may look like, hey, we're in prison in stocks and bonds. But God's like, no, no, just pray and sing praises. Instead of complaining and talking about woe is me and Lord, what have you done and why am I here? Just pray and sing praises. And because right around the corner here, I got something that I'm, I'm trying to show you. I got something that I'm trying to put you into. And you can never go wrong with praising the Lord. Somebody said amen. Amen in the house. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.